Physical touch is an important way to keep the emotions of love alive in your marriage. It's one of the first senses we develop as humans and is a primary component of intimacy in adult romance. Unfortunately, it's something we can forget about or be turned off of or associate with difficult memories or experiences. And so today we want to look into the research on physical touch to see the benefits and to rekindle this in our marriages. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have a touching episode for you this week. This is episode number 258, and today we're going to be talking about the importance of physical touch in marriage. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed how retirement affects marriage. It's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And remember, if you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, and most of all, we offer hope. Okay, let's get into the topic of touch. Okay. Like, does touch even matter? Or are Uh, we just like being gushy, mushy? It does, actually. I'll go outside the research I have in front of me here to recall something from when I was in grad school. They had, the professor was talking about how back in the 40s and 30s and of the Mm -hmm. 1900s, before the days when they had ethical guidelines around research studies, there was, I believe it was in Romania, there was an orphanage where the children were not, it was just so overcrowded that the kids grew up in their cribs, basically. They were, yeah. they were fed and everything else, like those needs were provided for. But they did a study where they assigned extra caregivers to hold half the babies mm-hmm. once or twice a day. I forget how long it was for. And the other half kind of had the usual experience mm-hmm. of not being held. And then they tracked those two groups over the course of their lifetime. And they found that the group that had been held, like that they had jobs and families and so on, generally mm-hmm. with a couple of exceptions. And the other group, with a couple of exceptions, were like incarcerated, significant mm. addictions, uh, very difficult life stories. Wow. So touch absolutely does matter. Certainly in infancy. Yeah. It's essential for normal human development, and we're going to see it matters a lot for adults as well. During our connection or during intimacy, let me just start that one over because I don't want people to think that when I say intimacy today, I'm referring to sex. So I'm talking about the the intimate connection between two people. It's important for that, okay? Yeah. We talked a lot about attachment, which is the science of love or how that intimacy is formed between couples in episodes 251 to 254. And that's that whole idea, the development of a loving, secure bond between two people. Mm -hmm. And there's a large body of research literature on the beneficial effects of touch for attachment, typically in the, first of all, in the mother-infant realm and soothing as well during infancy and in that very important infant caregiver relationship. So mm-hmm. the the touch at the start of life is formational for healthy intimacy later in life as adults. And so we're focused obviously on marriage for our show mm-hmm. and we want to talk about touch in that context. And this is the kind of affection which includes any touch that's intended to arouse feelings of love in the giver and or the in the recipient. So that's the kind of touch that we're interested in discussing here. And while we're, you know, we use the word arouse in that definition, loving touch can be both non-sexual or sexual. And really both are important. Mm-hmm. Another article that we looked at helpfully pointed out that ideally the touch is appropriate to the setting. It doesn't interfere with goal-directed behavior. It is not oriented toward immediate sexual gratification. So this is more non-sexual touch. 
Yes. And I just thought it'd be helpful to break those three parts down because there may be some people that listening to our show who struggled with inappropriate touch or don't feel comfortable with the touch that they are experiencing. Okay. So the first part there, appropriate to the setting, means you're not touching your spouse sexually in a public place or with family or so on, like in a place where you shouldn't be sexual with your spouse. So sexual touch is appropriate to the right context for it. And it may be just as loving coming from you in an inappropriate context, but it's going to cause discomfort and it shows disrespect for yourself, for your spouse, for others who are there. And many of our listeners will understand that intuitively. Okay. But just to kind of make it explicit, I wanted to mention that. And it also says in that definition, it doesn't interfere with goal-directed behavior. and also means that the touch is not intrusive. So if you're trying to do something, like you're you have something in your head you're trying to get done. It's like you're in a, in a goal-directed behavior. I'm not holding you or restraining you when you're trying to do something else. It's not intrusive or invasive mm. or imposing or controlling. Okay. Affectionate touch should not have those features of being controlling or interfering, even if, it, again, it's still intended to be warm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It shouldn't interfere, for example, with safety. So I'm not going to... Uh, Hold your hand, insist on holding your hand while you're driving if it's a bad snowstorm and you need both hands on the wheel. Right. Right. Well, technically, everybody needs both hands on the wheel at all times. We are raising teenage drivers right now. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, touch has to be respectful. It shouldn't take away from spontaneity, but respect and safety should trump spontaneity. And, you know, to be frank, there's plenty of opportunity to be spontaneous while still being respectful and safe. Yes. So it shouldn't, yeah. you shouldn't feel too crimped by that. And finally, that definition mentions also that touch is not oriented toward immediate sexual gratification. And there's a place in time for sexual touch or touch that leads to sexual activity or, or is part of a script that is going in that direction between you. And hang on here. What do you mean by a script? Like I don't write out when I'm going to oh, sorry. initiate sex. Uh, well, couples have kind of, most couples have routines of how they touch each other as like they're kind of hinting as to what they might be interested in okay, later okay. that day or something, right? And that's a script is what I mean by that because it's often... That's what you the, call a script. They're predictable signals. That's what a nerdy therapist is going to call a script. Yeah. Okay, okay. Or even a non-nerdy therapist, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> So there's a place for touching your spouse in a way that does invite sexual initiation. Mm -hmm. But if the bulk of your touching is really just sexually accosting your spouse without any or even with very little loving non-sexual touch, and that's really a dominant normal part of your routine of touch with your spouse, then it's probably leaving your spouse feeling objectified, like someone or something to be handled or groped. That's not intimate. It's not respectful or nurturing. Okay. So I'm not trying to pour cold water on sexual touch at all, but I'm just saying, Let's make sure that it's not the only form of touch. Okay. And it needs to be in the right setting too. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. Now, touch is also one of the love languages articulated by Chapman in his book, The Five Love Languages. So if you feel that this is one of your love languages or your spouse's, then tender touch is very important. And I do talk to couples that run into struggles here because one of them has touch as a love language and the other grew up in a family that never hugged, for example. It's mm. not uncommon. Yeah. And so for some husbands too, as well, when they hear the words physical touch, they immediately think of sex. But instead of going that route, what we'd suggest is you just think of it as sex is just one dialect of this love language. There's lots of other kinds of loving touch, holding hands, brief kisses, hugging, back rubs, an arm around a shoulder. Those are all ways of expressing love by non-sexual physical touch that are also important and also communicate love. Okay. It doesn't always have to involve the hands, does it? No, just sitting close on the Sitting close, you know, like the pressure on the shoulder or again, depending on the context. Yeah. We'll talk about cuddling later too. Oh, okay. Some forms of touch might be explicit and call for your full attention, like a back rub or a foot massage from your spouse. Or sexual foreplay would call for your full attention, but other Mm -hmm. kinds of touch may only require a moment or can be more subtle, like you just said, like just 
leaning in when you're sitting together, mm-hmm. even in church or whatever. It can be part of other activities, putting your hand on her shoulder while you pour her a cup of coffee. It can be just little moments, right? Yeah. And husbands like pour her a cup of coffee. That's just a saying for all the husbands out there. Yeah. I just got stuck on the fact that we have a Keurig, so I wasn't quite sure how to do that. <laughs> and touch can also be a way to add a positive moment to a mundane or dreary experience as well. A kiss when you get in the car to set off on a road trip together. Uh, we have a little tradition where we, if we're switching mm-hmm. drivers, we pull over. We have a little quick kiss behind the car, much to our children's chagrin. Oh, and they get so disgusted. Or if it helps, a hug before you go shopping. Even if you don't like shopping, it might set a little bit of a positive tone. It's something you can do. Mm-hmm. I it think you, it's good to know your spouse here too, though. Like some people, that might be really good for them. I think if you tried hugging me before I went shopping, like... You'd be like, let's just get like the I'm shopping over and done thinking with. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't like shopping, right? So that yeah. would just put me over the edge. But if you held my hand in the mall, yeah. it would just be like, yes. like de-stress. So that's part of the love language too, is kind of mapping out when your spouse mm. appreciates touch and what kind too. Right, right. And that's hopefully that's where curiosity kicks in and you can learn and experiment and get to know your spouse better yeah. as you explore that together. When you reach out with tender touch, you create emotional closeness. That's why we want to encourage mm. this. And it's so important. Sometimes, again, I hear people say, I didn't grow up in a touchy-feely family. But the good news is that you can learn to speak this love language. And it can begin with a pat on the back or resting your hand on your spouse's leg as you drive or as you watch TV. It's okay to ease into this. Right. You don't have to be all over your spouse right from the get-go. No. Just a little bit at a time. Yeah. Just kind of figure it out, figure out what you guys enjoy. Now, another really interesting part of touch is that it impacts physical health. So some research has shown that affectionate touch in marriage relationships may enhance health. Uh, Here's a quote from one research article. It says, multiple studies have found direct health positive relationships. Let me try to simplify this a little bit. Looking at a bunch of different systems in the body and correlating those with various forms of physical contact. So we put it that way. That was good translation into English right there. Yeah. Um, And then they list some of the types of physical touch that we've already described, right? Now, for those who like to geek out on the health stuff a little bit more, here's a longer quote describing some of those effects. Other studies have investigated associations between physiological indicators and combinations of physical affection and social interaction. So it's not just physical, but warm conversations. So a study in 2003, for example, they looked at warm partner contact described as positive relationship-focused interactions. So they would talk about a topic that enhanced a feeling of closeness as a couple. They would watch a five-minute romantic video. So this is kind of, they're setting this up in a laboratory setting so the couple feels the warm fuzzies about each other while maintaining physical contact. So they'd be holding hands for 10 minutes. And then they followed that with a full ventral hug lasting for 20 seconds. What is ventral hug? Um, Full body? Tummy to tummy. Oh. Yeah. And in a comparison of groups with and without the warm contact part, the group with the warm contact had lower systolic and diastolic blood pressure and lower heart rate responses to laboratory stress tasks. So basically they would set up the warm fuzzy, they'd have a long hug, then they'd expose them to stress while they're measuring their heart rate Mm. and their blood pressure. And the people that had had the additional physical contact had lower responses, meaning there was like a resiliency, a buffer built into them so that they went into the stress and were able to manage it more effectively without getting as stressed. Okay. So it acts like a buffer Mm -hmm. towards stress. So even before you're in the stress. Yes. Huh. Yeah. So the more, and again, we've talked about this in other parts, how mm-hmm. healthy marriage creates healthy people because it creates a buffer against stre- life stressors. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so part of that is done through warm physical contact. 
Now, once again, we have a bonus guide with some extra touch exercises for our supporters. We appreciate you all very much and how you make the show possible uh, episode by episode. So thank you for supporting us. This particular exercise will step you through some physical touch experiences with your spouse. It's really great to do if you're out of the habit of touching or if maybe you came from one of those not touchy-feely families. And you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. We'll take a short 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive, and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at oyf.support. That's oyf.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about how touch impacts physical health. Yep, we were. Uh, touch also impacts emotional bonding. And this, Is this the intimacy part? Yep, a little bit, but it actually kind of crosses back over to the physical bit because it gets a little bit hard to separate them here, but that's okay. There was a study in 2006 where they actually, they used a different term, but I like to put it in colloquial language. So they actually zapped women with wow. an electrical charge while they held the experimenter's hand or while they held their husband's hand. That's bizarre. Sorry. Yeah. Here, come on in here so I can zap you with an electrical well, charge. <laughs> like, <laughs> People signed up for it. So okay. That, maybe that's bizarre too. I don't know. <laughs> this is the welcome to the field of psychological research. Anyways, the shock was not perceived as threatening. If the wife was holding someone's hand. Okay. But if the wife was happily married, this is an additional observation, the part of the brain that's threat responsive was even calmer if she was holding her husband's hand. So in other okay. words, the more happily married you are, if you're holding your husband's hand, the less threatening the world around you becomes. Ooh. So that's like me shopping. Yes. If, if, if you, you hold my find hand. shopping to be threatening. Oh, honey, it is. It's like traumatic. So another study we found looked at non-sexual cuddling, whole body touching that was intimate and physical and loving. They looked at cuddling before falling asleep and also during waking up and just kind of noted what people said about their experiences. And they really kind of qualified or, or tried to group and measure all those responses. And on average, the participants reported feeling very protective and very nurtured. They found the cuddling to be moderately relaxed and peaceful, very much enjoyable, felt very positive after cuddling. They rarely brought up sexual themes in response to questions about what they did or felt. And instead, they reported themes like love, intimacy, closeness, and comfort. So So, would you recommend then cuddling before falling asleep and after waking up? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm, Both from the research and personal experience. (laughs) But like, I think this echoes what we enjoy about cuddling. Yeah. And so it just kind of maybe for some folks could prompt a review of how you guys go to sleep. Maybe you've got in a bit of routine or you're out of sync with each other or that kind of thing. Well, you could be missing out on like a really simple, easy to do thing here that's going to create some healthy, warm fuzzies for you. And so how could you think about adjusting your routines or your patterns to reincorporate this back into your marriage. Because what happens is this kind of touch, along with other touch like holding hands and so on, it releases oxytocin, which brings a calming sensation. 
Oxytocin, as many people know, is also released during orgasm. It's it's called the often called the bonding hormone or the cuddle hormone. So cuddling after sex is a very it's, profitable thing. It's helpful as well. And this kind of physical affection and the correlating release of oxytocin, you also see a reduction in stress hormones in the body. It, low, it lowers daily levels of cortisol. So just incorporating this kind of touch into the daily fabric of your marriage has benefits for health and for the bond between you. And it really provides an experience of being grounded and connected and protected and cherished in your marriage. So all really, really good stuff. Cool. So how do we start? How do we... Okay, I'm not very touchy-feely. Okay. So if... If you're a person that has not been touchy-feely as a couple or as an individual, it's okay to ease into this. First of all, just to explore, to experiment. Let yourself get used to one form of touching if you want before adding others, or you can try a couple things at once. Especially if you've had trauma or touch deprivation in your background or childhood, it takes a little time to get to learn to be comfortable with safe, loving touch. And that's okay to take that time. Perhaps you've had touch in the past that wasn't safe or loving. Right. And okay. so you really kind of have to talk yourself through this now to remind yourself to stay present and to remind yourself that this touch is touch that you're choosing okay. to experience. And you're choosing to do it with someone who's safe and loving and respectful towards you. So it's different. So you're in control at this point. Yes. Huh. Okay. You might consider holding hands, whether you're out together or sitting next to one another on the couch. Those are sort of simple starting points. Mm -hmm. You could offer to give your spouse a shoulder or a back or a foot rub if you want to go a little further. If necessary, you can practice this as a form of affectionate, non-sexual touch to, to just get used to enjoying it. Or if you're trying to rekindle the sexual passion between you, you can enjoy the touch with the possibility, but not the necessity of it becoming sexual. And I'm not trying to sound sex averse here, but... No, but like, what's the difference there? Like, how do, how, how do you know whether this is going to be a sexual thing or whether this is going to be a non-sexual thing? Well, with a conversation. Oh, okay. Ideally. And so, like, some people just, as they come back towards touch, if they've been away from it a while, and because especially if it's had negative connotations for them, or even mm -hmm. they've got into a bit of an unhealthy rut in their marriage, mm -hmm. they might feel like, you know what, if I let him touch me, then we have to have sex. And I, I'm still really angry at him because maybe they've been through a betrayal or whatever, right? Okay. So this is kind of like, okay, I want to begin moving back towards you, but I'm afraid that if I let you touch me, it's automatically going to go to sex and I'm not ready for that yet. So can we just sort of re begin to rekindle the touch and just experience some of the warmth and the closeness without it automatically becoming a sexual event? Okay. And probably both spouses would like to do that. That's a good intermediate Okay. progress step, yeah. if I can yeah. put it that way. So it's just agreeing to do it that way. That answers the question. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But you have the conversation. Yeah. Because otherwise, how will you know if it's going to be yeah. lead to something more or just yes. stop? So you're, you're better off having the conversation to create the intermediate step than missing the thing altogether. Right, because that touch is so important yes. and healthy. Yeah. Okay. And same kind of thing, even with cuddling, get good at non-sexual cuddling. Even if you're happily married, you know, sometimes again, couples can get in a rut where it's like, you know, if I let them cuddle in close, then automatically it's going to be sex. Well, have, you know, have sex and sexual cuddling, but also have non-sexual cuddling, mm -hmm. right? And so it's just kind of learning to have that conversation, learning the cues to send the signals to each other if one person does want to invite more. But I think it's good to have the habit of a lot of non-sexual cuddling because not that it's wrong to have a lot of sex or bad to have a lot of sex, but it's just a healthy thing to have a lot of touch. Hmm. And most right. couples aren't having sex all the time. So that's why I'm saying it doesn't have to be all on or all off. So am I making sense there? 
Well, your last comment about it doesn't have to be all on or all off. I'm wondering what. Like it's either no touching or it's sex. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I'm trying to say this without sounding like I'm against sex. uh, No, but but you can. But I'm just sort of pushing back on the not turning everything sexual thing so that there's room for a lot of enjoyable touch. But you can still have non-sexual cuddle after sex. Yes. And you can still have sex after cuddling. Yeah. It's fine, but. It's balance, right? Yeah. So you want to, for this kind of touch, initiating those hugs or kissing in the same way. Again, it can be non-sexual gestures of affection or appreciation or warmth. Hold those hugs, for example. Try to hold them for several seconds at first Mm. and then maybe for 20 seconds, 30 seconds. If you want more on hugging, we talked about that in one of our early episodes on the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And you can get that at oif.link slash 24 or scroll back to our 24th episode on hugging your way to a better marriage. That was even, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> even hugging well is a learned skill. Uh-huh. So we pray that this episode will be for your blessing. It'll bring you greater warmth and joy in your marriage. Of course, if it does help you, we'd love to hear from you through an Apple podcast review, or you can reach out to us through our website. Or if uh, being physical and close to each other is really a challenge for you, we do have a team of uh, very competent, well-trained Christian therapists who'd be more than glad to help you guys work on this as an individual or as couples. Mm-hmm. And we want to thank Tamara for becoming a patron between this recording and our previous one. And uh, like I heard on the radio, this recording has, or this show has been made possible by listeners like you. And I thought, you know what? That's so true. Even for our podcast. Yes. Like without these supporters, it wouldn't be possible right. to keep this thing going. So thank you for all your support people. Yes. Next week, we're talking about betrayal, a guide for husbands. Back in episode 209, we did the same topic for wives who had been betrayed. Mm -hmm, And so mm -hmm. we're now just kind of turning to it from the male perspective. Okay, good. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 258. Find out how you can help. Go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.